0: Hi, everybody. This is Love Him, Love Them with Linda Gunner, where we give hope, touch lives, and change hearts. Everybody, it's Linda Gunner. Back again with the ideal ordeal, and then the new deal. Do you guys remember that? So we've been talking about marriage. We're in the middle of a series, and actually, uh, for those of you who don't know, we are love him, love them, right? And it's him, God. Some people are like, "Who's the him?" The him is the God. So uh, we serve here in the uh, country of the United States, in Northeast Georgia, and then also in uh, the country of Haiti. So if you would uh, are looking for opportunities to volunteer, we've got so many different ways uh, that you can volunteer and come alongside of us with your family, uh, several monetary ways, and lots and lots of non-monetary ways. So if you're looking for something that you can do to give back and teach your family how to work together, uh, that's what we do. So we would love to have you join us. So we've been talking about marriage, and actually the title of this is What's Wrong With My Marriage, and this is part three. So if you've missed the other ones, if you're listening on our podcast or the radio show or uh, YouTube, you can go back on our YouTube channel or on our podcast and find the first to so that this makes sense. But actually, we started off saying that when marriage starts, it is just ideal, isn't it? Oh, Do you guys remember those first dates? Uh, and then for some reason or another, something happens and it becomes an ordeal. And then for most people, what they do is they end up just cashing in the chips and going and looking for a new deal, right? We also were joking about how there are three rings in marriage. There's the engagement ring, there's the wedding ring, and then there is suffering, and that is can be very, very true. If you've never been married and you're listening, I'm just letting you know it is uh, marriage is not for the faint of heart. Marriage or parenting, right? My next book is going to be called uh, Can You Really Be – how am I going to say it? Can you really be married and a can you really be a wife and a Christian at the same time? Actually, I think it should be start with can you really be a mom and a Christian at the same time? Uh, which you can, but I'm just saying it's, uh Again, not for the faint of heart. So what's wrong with my marriage? What is the end purpose of marriage? Now, for those of you who have been listening or if you haven't listened, if you want to know what the secret to having an amazing, successful marriage is, it's on our YouTube channel. Uh, One of the big things that we've been talking about is what is God's plan for our marriage? And God's plan for marriage is a covenant. And again, if you don't know what a covenant is, you're going to have to listen before. I'm going to try to keep everybody up to date, but a lot of this is uh, building on the other, kind of like my kids that are taking algebra now that had to learn fifth grade math. Uh, God's plan for marriage is a covenant because God made for us through the death of his son, Jesus on the cross, his death was on our behalf on each one of us. In the marriage, Each one of us in the marriage lays down our life on behalf of the other one, and then we enter into a new life that is lived out through the other person, right? So the husband looks back at the cross and says, now that death was my death. I know a lot of husbands are like, dude, I, my husband has just recently started playing golf again. I don't even know where this came from. He always wanted to be a professional golfer. And uh, that was B.C., as I call it, before children. And then we had kids, and I mean, I don't know how you—if you're raising kids and you're playing golf, more power to you. I don't know how you're supposed to do that because just time-wise, money-wise, the whole nine yards. But uh, I think many, many times my husband feels like the the death of a lot of things happened in his life. I would say probably he's laid down a lot more than I have, but I can see him looking back and thinking— And the death of my golf game, the death of, he could probably list off a lot. But that's what it is. The husband looks back at the cross and says, that death was my death. And when I entered into this covenant, it died. So now I'm no longer living for myself. But instead, I'm living my life in you. And the wife is supposed to do the same thing. The wife looks back at the cross, says the same thing. When I entered into this covenant, I died. And now I am no longer living for myself. But instead, my life is in you. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. You know, we could really just stop right there and go to Dairy Queen and get a Reese's Cup Blizzard. Because if we just did that, how, how different would it be? Because that's just not the way it is, right? I keep referring to Luke nine twenty three. If you really want to be my disciples, what do you have to do? You have to deny yourself. And we in this world, in this country, in this time— I mean, really, you can look back in the Old Testament. They didn't want to do it either. Nobody wants to deny themselves. Everybody wants to do, it's all about me. All, oh, my goodness. We just had this conversation in our house this week. It's all, When it's all about you, what was that book Rick Warren wrote that everybody loved in the very first part, the very first line in it was, it's not about you. It's just not about you. And 95% of marriage counseling, when people come in, it's all about them. I'm not getting this, I'm not getting this, they're not doing this, they're not doing that. And yet if we just I'm gonna read this one concept, if we just got this one concept right and realize that when we look back at the cross, our lives died and now we are in a new relationship and our life is it's it's it's, it's instead my life is in you. And that's really and truly really the only basis on which marriage can succeed. I mean, if you're looking for any other aspect. Uh, if you're I mean I can speak as the wife, if you're looking for your husband to fulfill everything, if you're looking if you're if the husband is looking for the wife to meet all the needs, it's just it's that's just not the way God set it up. The di- The idea is that the marriage is a covenant where each party lays down his life for the other and then finds a new life that is lived out through the other. And ultimately what you're going to learn through this, I mean, a lot of you guys know that my husband and I are in ministry together. We're volunteers. He has a real job. That's how we're able to pay for our stuff and, and uh, food and gas. I don't know who can pay for gas right now, (laughs) but we, there's just no way. I mean, you just cannot fight for what you want consistently and have that union in marriage. And what you're going to learn is that when we, Get this. And when we do exactly what the creator of marriage, the way he set it up, that's when God's able to flow through us. That's when he's able to use not only our lives, but our marriages for the kingdom of God. But this completely goes against the world's view, right? I uh, have a good friend who's got a, a television show called The Christian View, and we're constantly talking about the differences between the view and the worldview and the Christian view. But the worldview is, you know, what can I get? What What's in it for me? There's got to be something in it for me, and if I'm not getting what I want out of this, I'm out of here. I mean, I hear that all the time. She, she's not going to do this. She's not going to do that. I'm gone. If he doesn't do this, if he doesn't change that, I'm gone, which has – and usually it has absolutely nothing to do with anything that has anything to do with the commitment to the marriage. It's just doesn't. There has to be a radical change in thinking for the man and the woman or the couple together that want to make their marriage succeed. I mean, there just does. And to be very honest with you, the real (laughs) radical, the main number one radical change that has to take place for a marriage to succeed is that we decide that we want to obey this. Have you guys seen my new Bible yet? Do you see how it has my name engraved on it? It says Linda S. Gunner, and then in parentheses it says fix a mess. That's my favorite verse. James James one twenty seven, where we're supposed to real religion, that God himself considers pure and faultless is this, to uh, care for widows and orphans who are in a hot mess. And so that's my translation that I use. And so I remind myself from the front of my Bible every time I open it that I'm supposed to be fixing a mess, fix a mess. And we could fix uh, a mess of a marriage if we would just do what the Bible says and actually apply it. But for most people, the way they're living their lives, well, most people don't know what the Bible says anyways. So they wouldn't know if they were doing what the Bible said or not. But For most people to make that radical change in thinking, I mean, just leave it with Luke nine twenty three to just deny themselves, and to (coughs) pardon me, to lay their life down for somebody else. I mean, most people just I'm not here; they're not hearing that. But that's how you can make your marriage succeed. So, really and truly, what is the end purpose of marriage? What is it? What is it that through marriage can be achieved? That cannot be achieved in any other way. What is the whole point? What is the purpose of it? Why why are we, I mean, is it so we can have a cute wedding dress? Is it to get the pretty wedding cake? Is it to go on the honeymoon? What, what, what is it? I mean, if you're married, ask yourself, are you achieving this or, or are you missing whatever the real purpose of marriage is? I want you to listen to this conversation. It's Jesus talking to a group of Pharisees, and it's in Matthew 19. You can turn to it if you want. Matthew 19, 3 through 6. Some Pharisees came to Jesus. They were testing him. Just You guys know if it's the Pharisees, that's not the good people, right? Of course, we, we all have a bunch of Pharisees in our lives. So Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and asking, "Hey, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all?" And he answered and said, "This is Jesus talking back. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Ooh, girlfriend, we could just stop right here for a second and have us a little gender conversation, couldn't we? (laughs) That's actually let's see where that's. Oh, and that's in the New Testament." That is in the New Testament that we have, that God made us male and female. Um, I just had to answer a few questions the other day. Miranda's Merlanda, in the room with us from the Haitian Orphan Children's Choir. Merlonda, do you remember we were riding down the road and there was a person that walked by us that had long hair, but they also had boobs and they also had a beard? Do you remember how confused we yeah, we were <laughs> riding down the street and that gave Mommy Linda an opportunity to answer a whole lot of questions. But OK, this is not our topic tonight. We'll have to go on this topic. But just in case you need a verse, there you go. Matthew 19, three through six does say, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man. Oh, here we go with what the real true definition of marriage is. A man shall leave his father and. And mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two. Have you ever seen a couple that, um, They've been married for like 40, 50 years, and they look alike. <laughs> I really, they really do become one. I'm getting so far off topic, but just stay with me. So they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Oh, my goodness. There are so – that is a rich, rich – how many verses is that? Three verses. That is a rich three verses, right? We get the fact that we do know that there's a man and a woman. We get the fact that uh, marriage is between a man and a woman, and we get the fact that the two for, for marriage, that two are to become one flesh and that what God has joined together, nobody is supposed to separate. That is a lot of stuff in, one, in three verses. So pretty important points in Jesus's answers to the Pharisees. First of all, he went back all the way to God's purpose for creation. Right. He would not lower the standard. He was faithful to his father. Jesus was faithful to his father. He knew the story of creation and he knew how God had provided. Who did God provide for Adam? A helpmate. He provided a helpmate for Adam and he said that this is the basis, that God's original purpose, God's original purpose is the only purpose that is acceptable. So when we talk about marriage as Christians, we have to do the same thing. We have to go back to the original purpose of God and see what was that? What was the purpose? Well, he said here it was for two to become one. Two to become one? Two to become one is union. Two to become one is unity. Two to become one, unity is God-like. You, I'm gonna just step aside for just a second. If we could figure out how to be unified in the family of God, oh my goodness! You know, I, I, I these you know we just had Roe versus Wade that was overturned. We've just had it doesn't really matter. Just in the last two or three years, Black Lives Matters. We've had these these riots that happen. Have you guys ever wondered, like within five minutes? of these things coming out on the news, somebody is unified enough that they've got this stuff organized that everybody and their brother is out on the streets at the same time. How is, how is it that evil is able to be so organized and unified and yet the Christian community has to argue, fuss, fight, and we can't, we just can't get it together to be the family of God. We, we, if, if if we could get that one point right on how to be unified and how to be as a union, uh, even in—I uh, we I was just at a Methodist church last week, uh, and the pastor told me that even the Methodists are in the process of deunifying, if that's a word, uh, separating out who's going to allow gay pastors, who's not going to allow gay pastors. Um, and, we, I mean, even in this—now even in the same denomination, we can't be unified. So— Unity is godlike. This separation and this arguing and fussing and fighting, and, you know, every all the answers are in the Word of God. The ultimate, the original, the only perfect format of unity is found in the Godhead. The Father and the Son are one. That's the same goal for God in marriage. It is the same goal for God in marriage that man and woman will get to this same point the most godlike of all achievements, and that is true union. True unity. You know, we always say that it starts at home, it starts in the family, it starts in our marriage. If our marriages could be unified, if just even the husband and the wife in the family could be on the same page. I mean, you're I mean, our kids try to play us against each other, and so does the world. The world tries to play us against each other, and yet if we could just be unified, we say on the same page, but that's what it is. So true union, true unity, and the way to it is the way that God has laid down, and there really is no other way. There's no other way to the union that God desires in marriage than God's way. We can try it other ways. You know, it's just like uh, when people come to us for marriage counseling, we do newthetic counseling, which I don't know, that's probably a Greek word for biblical. I'm not, I, I should know what it means, but I don't. But basically what it means is that when people come to us for counseling, the very first thing we say is, do you believe what the Bible says? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe what the Bible says. Cause you know, when you're doing marriage counseling, <laughs> when people come for marriage counseling, they want the counselors to think that they're the right one. So they're going to be like, yeah, yeah, I believe in the Bible. And then whenever you tell them what the Bible says about their particular situation, I've, we've literally had people sit on our couch in a counseling session, and say, I'd rather die and go to hell than do what the Bible says, if that's what I have to do. If I have to forgive him, I'd rather die and go to hell. So no, I don't care what the Bible says. And to be honest with you, that sounds pretty bold, but really and truly, a lot of us are saying that every day. We're saying that with our lives when we won't forgive when we uh, live, uh, Galatians 5.17 gives us our checklist of whether we're walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. And most of us would much rather walk in the flesh and have outbursts of anger and fits of rage and bitterness and be offended. I mean, offense is the bait of Satan, and he uses it very well. We're, I mean, some of us get offended and don't speak to somebody if they don't like a post on social media. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. But Satan has us so wrapped around his little finger. Um, we've, we have. By simply being obedient to the word of God, which first we have to know what the word of God says, which means first thing is we have to spend time in the word so that we know what the word says. And then if we would just obey the word, our lives would be a completely different situation. So God desires marriage, but it's God's way. Not what you think, not what I think, not what our next door neighbor thinks. That's the only way it's going to work. And the end purpose of, I mean, when you think about it, he's the one that made it. Really and truly, all. if you really want to know how something works or if you want to know the best way to use something, go find the person that made it, right? That's what we Google. We Google it. And yet God is the one who made you. God is the one who made me. And God is the one who came up with the idea for marriage, So for us to try to take it and recalculate it or refigure it any other way or come up with a different way to do it, it's it's really ridiculous. The end purpose of marriage is union, and union leads to knowing. Now, in the original scripture, the word know was much deeper. So in Genesis 4.1, when it says Adam knew his wife, uh, the end purpose of God is that a man and a woman truly know one another. Uh, What does that mean? Let's look at Mark 8. 36 through 37, the worth of a human soul, one human soul is worth more than the whole universe. Is there a way to measure the value of a human soul? All right. So stick with me on this. What happens in marriage? Marriage as planned by God opens up the way for two human souls to know each other to know each other to their innermost depths, physically, mentally, emotionally, and culturally. It is literally the union of two persons, not just two bodies, not just two minds. You know, some people put all of the emphasis on sex. Some people put all of the emphasis on the minds. But for God's purpose, it is the total knowing of one person by another. I mean, I could tell you thousands and thousands of stories of things that God that that God see, I think my husband is a god <laughs> that David knows. Oh, I shouldn't have laughed so hard. That David knows about me that nobody else knows, right? and David does a much much better job of this than me. I, I for the first like 15 years we were married, I still tried to give David mustard on his sandwiches. David cannot stand mustard. He hates mustard. And yet, or I think he hates mustard. Now maybe I've got it confused. No, it is mustard, right. He does a much much better job of knowing. And that's a little silly thing to know. But you know what? If you're married to somebody for 25 years, like and I would if I would try to go give David a cup of coffee with italian sweet creamer and whipped cream on top he is not going to take that that's not the way he takes his coffee i need to know those little things and in addition to the more intimate things but um the second point about god's idea of marriage is that by insisting on a commitment and a covenant to enter into this union so see here this is really huge God's idea of marriage was for us to know each other, right? He wants us to know each other personally, sexually, intimately, our minds, our bodies, everything. But to do that, you need a little bit of protection. And that's the reason God set it up the way he did, was for us to insist on a commitment and a covenant to enter into this union. And then that's what protects each side from being hurt or being ruined or being betrayed. You know, any woman who allows herself to have sex without that person making a covenant commitment, basically you're prostituting your personality, you're prostituting your heart, you're exposing your entire personality to somebody who is not willing to pay the price. The purpose of marriage is this deep, ongoing, intimate connection And relationship, but see, here's the way it was with God's purpose, but that it is protected, that it's protected by this commitment. This relationship will is then able to be and should be able to continually become deeper and richer, where you are continuously knowing each other. When you totally know each other, there actually become times in the car where you can sit for hours, right? and not say a word. And the next thing you know, you both start talking, and you're talking about exactly the same thing, right? That's just a small, small example. But the gift of having someone you know and someone who knows you truly is a gift. You know, my question to you today is, what is wrong with your marriage? What's wrong with your marriage? Is your marriage a union? Are you and your husband unified. Now, I don't mean, are you the same? Honey, please. If if my husband and I were exactly the same, that would be boring, right? It takes, I mean, and most people are exact opposites. So I'm not asking you, are you exactly the same as your husband? Do you love it? I mean, I, I can't even think of anybody in the world that I know that is more opposite than my husband and I. I mean, I use just that silly example of coffee, right? I mean, it, take it to anything, steaks. I mean, my husband wants steak with blood coming out of it. I hate blood coming out of my steak. I I mean, there, we cannot be more opposite. But that's a gift, right? If we were both exactly the same, there wouldn't be a need for the other one. So I'm not asking you, are you exactly the same as your spouse? But what I'm asking you is, are you unified? Are you in union together? Are you in a relationship that you're a godly committed covenant relationship where you can feel protected enough that you are able to share with each other, that you are able to talk with each other about your innermost parts, your innermost thoughts. That is That is why the covenant and the commitment of the marriage is so important. Because that's the protective layer that God has placed around it so that we are able to come together in so many ways, ways that then allow us to do exactly what this says, where the divorce, the divorce is not even an option. You know, um, divorce is not a word that we're allowed to use. I have thought of murdering my husband (laughs) before killing him but we're not allowed to get divorced and i probably shouldn't say that because now i'll just tell you this if something happens to david you you can come looking for me and if something happens to me you can come looking for david because it probably it's going to be one of us um but the key is that once you've made that commitment it doesn't matter what happens just like we talked about last week. Are there going to be trials? Yes, there's going to be trials. Are there going to be horrible problems? Yes, there are going to be horrible problems. And you know what? For those of you who are looking for this amazing marriage with no problems, I would love for you to sit down and have a conversation with Paul. I mean, when we get to heaven and we tell him, well, the reason that we left was because it was difficult. Really? This dude was shipwrecked, stabbed, killed. Look at the disciples. The majority of the disciples were murdered in horrible ways. Our relationship with each other in our marriage is not going to be easy. It's not easy for any two people. Have you ever had a roommate? I mean, I graduated from Florida State University and went through several roommates. It's hard to live with people. It's hard to share life with people. Unless you learn the key to laying down your life, to denying yourself. You know, what does the Bible say about being a Christian to always wanting the best for others, to always wanting something that's better for them. When we grasp what truly is the gospel and when we live out our marriages exactly the way the Bible has told us, and many times what that requires is being fully obedient, even when we do not understand. There are a lot of times I don't understand my husband or what he's doing, But the extra advantage wives that we have, he's in charge. We were made to be his helper, and he's the one that's ultimately responsible. Our job is to encourage him. Our job is to uphold him. But he's the one that's responsible, and he's the one that's accountable. So I I don't know what's wrong with your marriage. But what I do know is I know the creator of marriage. And you can have the opportunity to know him, too. So who, who better to meet with, talk with, and have a relationship with than the person who created what you have that needs to be fixed, right? Whether it's your washing machine, your dryer, your computer, your technology, or your marriage. And the amazing thing is, Jesus Christ died and has allowed us the opportunity to show us how we can die to ourselves too. Lay down our lives and have a marriage that is full of success. One of the key ways to have an amazing marriage is to figure out how to love Him